from the Pictures Out There studios. Welcome to the Pictures Out There podcast series with Dave Fogelman and Lee Stewart. Pictures Out There ties the future to the present and is a new approach for vision and action toward a better future. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Hi, this is Dave. And this is Lee. Welcome back for part two of three of our podcasts on power, leadership, and allegiance. So, pictures, perspectives, process, and ideals, the three P's in an I model, describe how, as individuals, we can put words to our truest dreams, understand them, and then prepare to move to act upon them. But then, once we begin to take action on making our pictures happen, we frequently engage established power systems that we talked about in the last podcast Mm -hmm. that may work against our pictures. And once again, like we talked about before, power systems exist in every situation where two or more people gather for a common endeavor. So power systems are a given and they're actually necessary for that group to function. So it's important to note here that our odds of finding the right group or groups to engage with on our pictures will be increased if we first consider whether that group's ideals align with our own ideals. Ah. So if that group's ideals are in sync with ours, it's pretty likely that we'll be able to work together at least to some degree on our picture But if that other group's ideals does not align with ours, it's pretty certain that we won't be able to influence them and then our tactics will not align to our ideals. It'll be unlikely that we'll be effective in working together or make any progress toward our picture. Yeah, so kind of do an ideals check first before even doing the engagement to the degree that you can, great ideally. So power systems often have people that are identified as its formal leaders. Mm -hmm. Okay, beyond just the dynamics of the system, of the power system and how that's structured, and whether that system tends to work either for or against our pictures, we also have these identified leaders, these people, who may also personally work either for or against our pictures. Okay, so there's kind of two steps to this. So we need to address both, one, power and power systems, and then two, leadership, in order to really optimize making our pictures happen. Lee, I think we've both had situations where we're trying to go uh, influence and engage with somebody on an idea that we have, a picture that we have, and sometimes the structure the system mm-hmm. is a roadblock. And right. Other times the structure of the system kind of seems okay, but then we run headlong into an individual, individual, the leader who thinks otherwise. Yeah, they just don't choose to engage on that picture for whatever reason. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So sometimes the power systems can be wind at your back, but individual leaders might not be. And of course the converse can be true. Yep. So let's talk through what a picture for power and power systems would be, what it should be. And then let's talk through what a picture for the concept of leadership might be. So we form or join a variety of social bonds and connections and groups throughout our lives. And we need to leverage those as we try to make our dreams, our pictures come true. With each of these social bonds, there is a negotiation of sorts all along the way to determine who has the power in that system and how that power will be used. Mm Also, who the leaders are, Ah, okay, apart from the power system itself. 
we become very used to the various processes, whether they're formal or informal, by which power and leadership are established in any group situation. The negotiation, as you described it, happens so frequently in our lives with groups that we're a part of and that we're engaged with. You almost don't think about it. Right. It's like breathing, that that negotiation happens, and usually some outcome happens for a particular point in time, and then life goes on. And then maybe that outcome gets renegotiated or somebody goes out of bounds for what the agreement was. And then the group has some uh, crisis when somebody, again, didn't play. Mm -hmm. The outcome of that negotiation of power and leadership can look different ways, maybe very formal and set in stone. It may be on paper or it just may be very informal, but very clear to all the members about what the system is and oh, yes. who's leading yes. and all of that. Or it may be a situation where it just feels kind of fluid and evolving. And so uh, that kind of negotiation for power and leadership, again, happens every time in any group. Okay, literally thousands, if not millions of times during the course of our life. Just think about that and, and absorb that a little bit. So our picture for power systems are these three power system guiding principles. Wait, 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 wait. Three things? Three things. The picture for all of these kinds of power systems? There are three power system guiding principles. I thought you were going to like... Stay put, tuned while I articulate the three. <laughs> I thought you were going to put a book in front of us here. <laughs> it's three things. Okay. And, they're, and they're really quite simple to understand. Okay. They really are. So just three things to describe our dream, our picture. Here they come. Number one is that we share power as much as we possibly can. Whoa. Let me say that again. We share power as much as is possible. This principle is embraced by those within the power system. The principle is embraced by others who may be impacted by the power system. We announce this attention clearly to those in the group or the organization, and we're very proactive in creating a supportive culture to follow through on that intention. So you literally would, in a group, in a family, in, in an organization, in a company, in a volunteer organization, mm -hmm. any kind of group that we're talking about here where, again, there's some element of, of power or a system to that, you would announce mm -hmm. up front that we want to all share power as much as possible. Okay. Yeah, and acknowledge that that power sharing may evolve and flex as the group goes forward, right? You may be the leader in the first segment of mm. whatever it is we're doing right. together, but then for good reasons, your leadership kind of goes away and others may rise. We would say that's desirable. We want that to happen. We encourage that to happen. An example of that, I think, would be uh, parents and children. At the beginning, you know, the power. <laughs> mom and dad have the power. Mom and dad have the power, but the, the parents then have consciousness as the child is growing of how do I share the power in this family unit with the child? How do I embolden them? How do I empower them? Yes. And the same could be true for any group where there may be founding members who have the bulk, if not all of the power initially, mm -hmm. but then as members get added to the group, the intent is to go ahead and share as much of that power as possible. Yeah. So right. first principle, share as much as possible. What's the second principle? The second one we're going to describe is that we constantly, it's very much related to the first, increase the engagement involvement and impact of the least or the less powerful members of the group hmm. of the organization. So we would literally look around and kind of go in this group or company or organization, who are the people that seem to have the least power 
and we with great intent and purpose try to pass on power to those folks. We do this a number of ways. We start asking more what they think and we listen to them. We incorporate what they think whenever possible into the group's plans. We ask what their dreams are and listen to those. We incorporate their dreams, their pictures, whenever possible. And like we did with the first one, we announce this intention clearly. Mm -hmm. We proclaim it to those in the group and organization. And then we are proactive about creating a supportive culture to follow through on that announced intent. Okay. So our first principle was to share the power. Mm -hmm. The second was to increase the engagement, the involvement, and the power of the least powerful members of our group. Mm -hmm. And the third principle is we share more of the formal power of the group with the least powerful members. Okay. Okay? So there's engagement and Mm -hmm. involvement and impact in number two. And then number three is formal power. Here, we're handing some power off here to you. Right. Okay. So we're going to develop and train the least powerful to assume power from the more powerful. Okay. We're going to reinforce an empowering and power spreading culture in our communications and actions. And we're going to announce this intention again, clearly to those and proactively create a supportive culture to follow through on our intent. So again, we're saying it right out loud and right up front. This is our intent. We're going to do these things. We're going to behave and act in these ways. And I think as you described, and as we talk through, this is an evolving thing, but we state the purpose and we move as quickly as we can on doing these principles in the context of the group or organization that we're in. Right. Okay. So pretty simple, Mm -hmm. pretty simple, three connected points. That's our picture for power and power systems, any kind of power system, all the ones we talked about here. Family, friends, organizations. You got it. Three guiding principles that can be applied to any power situation. Okay. Now let's talk about leadership. You know, don't you, that I put the Lee in leadership. Yeah. No, it's it's actually, we now are spelling it L-E-E-D-E-R-S-H-I-P. Those of you in the future, if you're one, wanting to know where that new spelling came from, it came from Lee Stewart. Yeah. Uh, others of my colleagues say, I put the der in leadership. <laughs> oh, it's all Lee. It's all Lee all the time. So anyway, we're going to talk about leadership and wait, whoa. God, this is amazing. Lee, look at this. Our picture for leadership that we're going to describe is completely complementary and in harmony with our picture for power and power systems. What? Wow. How'd that happen? Who would have thought <laughs> that? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, they're in complete alignment. All right. We put forward that in any power system, any power system, The person with the most formal power, whom we might call the leader, the leader should always do three things. Share as much power as possible. Hmm. That Mm. sounds a bit familiar. Yeah. Constantly increase the engagement, involvement, and impact of the least powerful, and then share more of the formal power with the least powerful members of that group, just as we have uh, talked about earlier. And I think one of the reasons, again, for us to separate the system, if you'll call it, from the leader and then basically have three similar, if not the same, guiding principles for both of them, is that the obstruction or the support can happen provided by the system and how that's set up, or provided by people, the, the leaders. And I think we've all seen that again, where there's this 
this uh, separation between what the system is telling you happens power-wise and what a leader or the person actually does. Yes. And we want to speak to both. Yes. They're both important. Okay. So Lee has described the leader's main responsibilities. Okay. Sharing power, constantly increasing engagement and involvement, sharing more of the formal power over time with the least powerful members. Okay. These would be the main responsibilities in addition to the functional roles and responsibilities that that person or persons are assigned. And we're going to talk more about roles and responsibilities here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're distinguishing leadership from getting the work done, getting the work done and roles and responsibilities that we will say people higher up in a group or organization may have. Mm -hmm. So if the power system and the formal leader follow these two sets of guiding principles, would that group, team, or organization over time, let's go through some things, be more inclusive and diverse? I'd say yes. Check that box. Seems like we're with great intention. Yeah. Are sharing power and seeking engagement and involvement with everybody in the organization. Yeah, seems like a check. Minimally, we're inviting a diversity of perspectives right. and opinions and experiences. Right. Yes. Okay. What about innovation? Would that kind of power system or leadership structure tend to innovate more and better? I'm thinking yes. Seems like it would. More ideas, more involvement. Everybody feels like they have a voice. They offer opinions. Mm -hmm. What about communication? Would mm -hmm. communication be better? If you said from day one in the beginning, hey, we're all going to share in this yeah. and we want to hear your dreams and your piece of this. Yeah. And we want you to have more and more of the formal power mm -hmm. as this thing evolves. Yeah, seems like that would help communication. Would you have a stronger and more positive culture? We would assert, yeah. Seems like it. Every, <laughs> yes. every, everybody's got a voice. Everybody's participating, yeah. involved, has buy-in. What if we developed our people better, retained talent better, attracted better talent to whatever our cause and mission might be? Better teamwork, better collaboration. I think we would agree you check the box on all of those. I'm now a member of this group and say I'm in the, the least powerful, recognizes the least powerful. I have a commitment from the group and from the leadership to develop me, mm -hmm. to pass on power to me. Gee, that is going to make it more likely that I want to stay there. Absolutely. It's going to make it where I want to refer people to work there. This is a great, cool place to work. Yeah. It's certainly going to help teamwork and collaboration. So I think checked all of that. How about using influence better and using influence more often, more appropriately? Ah, we're going to talk a little bit about losing power, but gaining, gaining influence. influence. So stay tuned for that in just a few minutes. And so we are certainly going to put forward that this kind of system absolutely increases the quote leader's ability to influence, even at the same time that they may be in their mind, losing power. Mm -hmm. What about uh, buy-in to decisions that the group makes? And I think, Lee, one of the questions that comes up with this is people will lots of times go, well, if you go share power, then everything's going to get slowed down. You have right. to wait until everybody agrees on everything. It's like, no, we're not saying you wait on decisions until something's unanimous. It's that people all participate. They all listen. They all share ideas. Actually, what we would say happens in this situation is when you have more of a shared power model, people have buy-in when decisions are made. And as change management professionals, we would both say, well, yeah, there's all sorts of decisions people who want to keep their power want to unilaterally go make. 
And then the organization takes 10 times longer mm -hmm. absorbing that decision because they don't have buy-in. Mm -hmm. They weren't involved. They don't participate. So the fastest you can move is to have a shared power model in terms of full, not just the decision being made, but the change process yeah. of buy-in. Yeah, that's a key point. It's not going to slow you down. It's going to speed you up. It's actually going to yeah. speed you yeah. up. Well, do you think a group like this would perform better? I think oh, definitively, yes. Can't, can't imagine they wouldn't. Right. So all of those things, they don't they sound pretty good? Don't they sound like something we would want to go do? And uh, sometimes I think when we are handed the mantle of formal leadership and formal power, and Lee and I have certainly been in organizations where we've been handed that mantle, and we're both parents and all of that, there, there is that tendency to certainly ask yourself, you know, how will I be perceived if I start passing that power out? Mm -hmm. Will I be perceived as weak? Right. Will I be perceived as not ready mm -hmm. to be a leader, to be? And we just think all of that's hogwash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just not the way this stuff works, and it's not the way people react. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and uh, talk about some of the different power systems that we've revisited before and think through the model that we presented and think through whether or not things tend to work better when the leaders of these power systems share, share power, power, engage people in that system. And it's a clearly stated expectation yeah, that power will be shared. Think about parents and children, families, okay? Yeah. Families that intentionally try to build responsibility, try to pass along power in that family unit. They may do that through chores. They may do that through teaching, mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, think about some of the families you know. That tends to work pretty well. Yeah, it absolutely does. Rather than having that horrifying moment as a parent when your child goes off to college at age 18 or 19, leaving home for the first time, and you go, oh, I'm not certain we've done anything to equip this individual to succeed on his or her own. Right. Yeah. Right. Extended families play in here as well. There may be multi-generations in the family, and there's power distributed across different generations and so on and so forth. How about the school setting? Mm. Think of all the stakeholders in a school setting. We have the students. We have the teachers. We have administrators, we have the principal, we might have coaches. Think about how they can and do share power. Positive reinforcement. Both of my daughters had a particular English teacher in high school who, whenever they would call on somebody to answer a question, no matter you know, if, if the person was completely wrong or missed the answer, they would always go, nice try. What a reinforcement, what a positive reinforcement of trying, of learning of taking on responsibility and power. Mm -hmm. Think about the context of church. Mm -hmm. Think about the power that's distributed in congregations among the ministers, the preachers, the priests, the elders, the congregants. How does it work when the nature of that congregation is about sharing power? Mm -hmm. Lots of times in those situations, if you've been in that, those are congregations that work really, really well when the leaders try to pass out power and as we'll talk about before, what happens to the leaders who operate that way, who share power that way? Their influence goes through the roof. Mm -hmm. They're looked at as a model. People are comfortable with them. Right. It's amazing. Jobs. Jobs. And we Ooh. all have bosses, right? There's that word again, bosses. 
a little bit off-putting, but we understand what that means. Uh, and there's bosses at multiple levels, right? Whether it's in a civic organization, a corporation, a school, wherever it might be. Well, that's my immediate boss, and then that boss has a boss, and there's a boss over the big boss, et cetera. Think about how the power distribution occurs there. Think about a boss you may have had who micro-directs you on everything to do in your job. Think about how you feel about that Mm -hmm. or who is not receptive to any ideas you have. Mm -hmm. Now think about a boss that you have hopefully had or hopefully a number of bosses who may say, let's talk through what we're hoping this looks like Mm -hmm. at the end of the game, the result we're trying to get. I'm thinking it should look something like this. What do you think? What do you think? You know, and then you work through that, you collaborate on what that looks like, and then they say, do you feel okay about going ahead and, you know, figuring out yourself how that might happen, or do you need me along the way at different points? Let's Mm -hmm. talk through that. Yes. Think about how that feels, and think about at the end of doing the work, how different one feels than Mm. the other. Mm. Think about how, how much you've learned mm-hmm. in one situation mm-hmm. through doing your own critical thinking versus what you haven't learned from just following somebody's micro direction. Exactly. Right. Volunteer organizations, government organizations, we could go on and on and on with this list, right? As Dave said earlier in this podcast, wherever two or more people gather to try to achieve a common picture, right? Power systems exist. So if a formal leader does not do these three things consistently and repeatedly, should they be replaced with someone who will? So if they're not sharing power, if they're not willing to let go of their formal power, if they're not working to grow and develop the least powerful, what do we do with a leader like that? Yeah, we're going to leave that question hanging and just leave that unanswered. But think through the list of things that we went through all the advantages that happen with a group or an organization when power is shared this way and think through all the good things and think if somebody is not doing that, you know, those things won't happen or they won't happen to that degree. Right. So we've talked about power and leadership. Where does the concept of influence fit in with this model for power and leadership? Let's first define what we mean by influence. We will say that influence shapes and changes opinions, perspectives, decisions, and actions without the use of formal decision-making authority or power. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're referring to with The term influence, good. Mm -hmm. Influence is always available to anyone in a power or a leadership system. Or, to put that in different words, influence is always available to everyone in any group, team, or organization to try to use. Influence can and should override power if it's presented in a non-threatening and reasonable way and if it convinces the system members for a reason to change. So let's remember this key point. Any formal leader can use non-threatening and reasonable influence okay, on ideas, issues, and opportunities within that power system. So a leader who possesses authority may not choose to exercise authority, but to lead through influence. Ah, so instead of just, you know, using the power you got, use influence instead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we want to certainly lift up, and this is in our experience, that frequently, if not always, the influence and impact of formal leaders actually increases when they model the three leadership guiding principles for power even as their formal power decreases. 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 But if you don't ever try this, you're never going to know it. Mm -hmm. 
unless you take what may feel like to some people, it may feel like a jump off a cliff Yes. to say, I'm actually just going to start sharing my power Mm -hmm. and I'm going to start preparing people in my organization to assume more power. If you never try it, you're never going to see this dynamic happen, but it almost always happens that influence increases as formal power is given away and shared. So we would suggest that power is one of the ultimate addictions while influence is the ultimate power. Oh, what a turn of the phrase. Yeah. Influence should also be used in harmony with these three leadership guiding principles that we've just put forward. Yeah, so it's a it's a part of the dynamic of mm-hmm. what we've talked about, power systems and leadership and influence. So let's now talk about the concept of leadership versus roles and role-related responsibilities that people have in a group or organization. And I think we're going to put an idea forward that we feel like is really accurate and critical uh, to think through, and that is that it is important to separate the concept of leadership in a group or organization from the concept of roles and role-related responsibilities in a group or organization. So we'll give you an example. C-suite executives in a corporation, chief executive officer, chief financial officer, et cetera, et cetera. They have roles and responsibilities Mm -hmm. that they need to do that are part of being in that C role. There's thing, there are legal things, there are things with that a company requires, an organization requires. Those are roles and responsibilities that they have. Mm-hmm. Those are not leadership right. things. They're not something for a leader to do. They're something that that role requires. Exactly. So I like to think of it in these terms. Management is a job. Leadership is a set of beliefs and behaviors. It's a mindset and it's a heart set. And I think the mindset and the heart set need to be in total alignment to be the most effective leader. So to use your example, the chief financial officer has some stuff that she may need to get done in a day. Her obligations, her job accountabilities, but that's not leadership. Okay. And I think people sometimes in those roles get those two things confused. Absolutely. They will say, well, I have these roles and responsibilities to go do. That means that I have a, a power as a leader and I have this ability to be above the people that I'm mm-hmm. leading or have, have, this, have these responsibilities over. Mm-hmm. So they are, they are doing responsibilities and, and roles that affect the people in their team or their organization. And if, well, I'm making decisions that affect these people. Mm-hmm. Well, that means that I'm then a leader and I can just dictate all sorts of other things or should. We're saying you're, mm-hmm. you're confused. Yeah. You're confusing two things that are very, very separate. Yeah. So let's emphasize the separateness of those two things again. Leadership is apart from roles and responsibilities, just as we've demonstrated here. So leadership is a concept and a reality that lies outside of the specific roles and role-related responsibilities that people have in a group or in an organization. So let's talk about leader types and let's go what we think is in order from worst to best. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have five types here. We might suggest that the worst leader type is a leader with no ideals or bad ideals. We're going to keep lifting up ideals and talking about this engagement that we have with other groups and teams with our pictures. 
in my experience, few people would want to work with that type of leader. <laughs> yeah. uh, the second on this list is no leadership at all. Whoa. So they've just either capitulated their leadership. They don't think about leadership. Maybe, and I've seen this occur many times, it's an individual who's committed this is positive to the roles and role-related responsibilities yep. of their job, but they're just blind to the leadership aspects of it. But we're actually saying that that's a better model to be in than the one than the leader that has truly bad oh, yeah. or no ideals at yeah, all. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Number three, again, going from worst to best. Number three, we would say is, uh, and I'm your leader, leader with okay ideals. You know, it's the person that stands up in front of the group and <laughs> beyond their roles and responsibilities wants to say, I'm your leader. Right. And they've got it's okay. reasonably good We're ideals. We're getting better. But you wait, know. there's more. What if we say, I'm your leader leader and I have good ideals. Okay, that's an improvement. There we go. That's, now we're getting somewhere. That's improvement. Yeah. Okay, and we would say the best is a facilitative modeling leader who makes everyone around them a leader and who has good ideals and then creates a reinforcing culture. So that's the type of leader who would clearly articulate an expectation that leadership is going to be shared, power is going to be shared. That type of leader is going to make sure that everybody has the maximum opportunity for their own growth. And I would tell you while, again, we're chuckling a little bit as we're going through this list, uh, if you asked me, well, if you had been in organizations or groups that had, quote, leaders of all five of these types, yes, uh -huh. yep. frequently. Yes. And Lee's nodding his head with the uh. same thing. So it's not uncommon. A person who's in a role that has decision-making responsibilities over others should establish the best possible ideals in the group or organization. These ideals make such a difference. And then they should model those ideals. So this is important too. The influence and direction that person provides should never be about that person or about that leader. It should always be about the ideals. This principle does not preclude having role models, not at all, but it does make sure that we role model ourselves after people, this gets a little tricky, not because of them, but on the ideals that they represent, okay? And of course, their corresponding actions and behaviors. We should not role model people based on a power. That, that's a, a tough one for it a lot tough. of us because when you come across somebody who is a great facilitative leader, then there can be a tendency on people to glorify the person mm -hmm. instead of saying, what we ought to be glorifying, if anything, is the fashion in which we all did this. It's mm -hmm. the model. It's the ideals. And yes, that person... Uh, who may be very, very influential and meaningful to us. They were the ones that may have initially set that in place. It's what we did. Right. It's what we did together. And it's a way of saying, this is about the ideals that we had in our group and how we functioned. It's not about me. Yeah. So I've had the cost to interview a lot of people in a lot of kinds of organizations. And when you say, well, what do you think of Mary? Oh, she's one of the best leaders I've ever worked with. Oh, that's great. Can you tell me why? And people can very easily articulate the three or four or five ideals that Mary represents. But what? Mary also gets the halo effect of that. She's also a great gal, right? right. And she may well be. Right. But Really what people are not looking at is the person they're looking at the ideals that the person represents. Exactly. So as we try to engage others on our pictures, please remember we should all have ideals that dictate 
how we live our lives and provide energy and guardrails for our dreams, our pictures. So here are the things that a leader should do. They should influence and encourage leadership in others. They should encourage others to choose to be leaders in their own lives. They should encourage the dreams and the pictures and the insights through the perspectives of others. And they should encourage action toward those pictures fueled by wonderful ideals. We came back to that I word again. So to recap, share power, increase the engagement, involvement, and power of the least powerful members of the group in your organization. That's going to put you on the path to a healthy power system and great leadership. So that concludes our discussion for today. This was part two in our three-part mini-series about power, leadership, and allegiance. Next time we're together, we'll talk further about allegiance. In the meantime, be well. Take care. Thank you for joining our podcast today. For more information about Pictures Out There products, services, and communities, or to contact us, please visit us at picturesoutthere.com or reach out to us on Twitter at the handle at PicsOutThere. You can also find us on Facebook. Please join us for our next podcast. We hope you have the day of your dreams.